You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No You know, there's always more to learn, but at a certain point, you have to start believing that your perceptions and your instincts and your point of view is at least as valid as anybody else's. And that's. I think when you start to really come into your own as a as a person and as a as an actor. I'm Justin Guarini and you're listening to another episode of Audition Secrets, the behind the scenes podcast for nailing more auditions and booking more jobs and for having outstanding conversations with some of the most amazing people in our business. And today's episode is no exception. On the pod, we have Michael Cerverus, Tony Award winner. He is a man who has been called by Playbill, arguably the most versatile leading man on Broadway. He has been an Assassin's, Sweeney Todd, Roadshow. In 2004, he won the Tony Award for Best Featured Actor in a musical for Assassins as John Wilkes Booth, and then 2015, he won his second Tony Award as Best Actor in Fun Home as Bruce Bechdel. He is a wonderful human being, and I can't wait for you to hear my conversation with him. Real quick, before we get to that, we are on episode 14. We are just getting started here with the Audition Secrets podcast, and whether you're a first-time listener or you've been listening for a while now, I would love your help. If you could take a screen grab of this episode and put it up on your social media and say, hey, I'm listening to this, and spread the word it would go a long way to getting more people to know that this show exists, more people to find out about what we're doing here in the audition secrets world and how we are helping and informing performers all over the world. Okay, that being said, I can't wait for you to hear my interview with Michael Cerverus. Okay, so thank you so very much for being here with me. You know, you've been called arguably the most versatile leading man on Broadway and in a world where actors are just lucky to be typecast considering that they can at least walk in the door with a solid brand. What do you think the secret or secrets behind your ability to slip in and out of roles that are so vastly different is? Well, I guess part of it is I kind of learned that that was the job, you know, when I, when I was in school, like that seemed to be, I I feel like, there's so much more kind of specialization and people, especially in training programs are kind of uh, honed by faculties that have to kind of show results in the, in the professional world to justify, you know, these, there being so many programs. So I think the, the kind of easier seeming way to do that is to just find somebody 
put them in a box early in their training and then just sort of refine those skills and polish them into a you know particular thing as opposed to when i was in school it was sort of like you know the idea is to to have as many skills as possible and as many uh different abilities and capacities as you could and the idea was that you know an actor should be able to play anything um within reason but uh but i don't feel like that is as true anymore so but that was what i you know how i learned and and then i guess the other part of it is just i've always had so many different interests even outside of of acting to begin with. So I was interested in lots of different things. I found a lot of different things intriguing and uh, and sort of followed my interests in these other worlds, whether it was music or, or an opportunity to go live in Germany, for example, when I was doing, uh, I had just done my first Broadway show, Tommy, and then I had a chance to go leave the Broadway company after a couple of years and go do it in Germany which didn't make the most sense from a career standpoint, you know, to leave your first Broadway show and go to a small town outside Frankfurt for the next, you know, who knew how long. Um, but it, A, meant that I got to be paid to live in Europe and travel and see things and and have life experiences that I never would have had a chance to have otherwise. And then inadvertently, it gave me a lot of the groundwork that I needed when I had the opportunity then to take over from John Cameron Mitchell and Hedvig um, when it was uh, off Broadway because I, you know, I knew German culture pretty up close. And so you never know, you never know what it is that's going to kind of be the thing that the skill that you have that separates you from other people. And, um, and I think the combination of being taught that, being as multifaceted as possible was a valuable thing. And then just my own natural interest, I think is why I've had the kind of varied career that I've had. Yeah. And it's really, you, you touched on a couple of very interesting points. I mean, the fact that in order to justify the huge sums of money that people pay in order to get an ed education nowadays, it, it, it and then it, have to pay back. <laughs> hello. Right. It, it, it makes sense that at times, there's a justification for uh, their own jobs by finding people, putting them inside a box and saying, here, look, this is what we do. This is what we specialize in. And here are the results. And, you know, the education, I, I think overall, the experience outside of the uh, scope of education is not that black and white. I, and you know that anybody who's auditioned more than a couple of times knows that that's listening. Yeah. And so uh, another thing that you touched on that I really love and that when I approach a role and when I talk to other people who are multifaceted and do all kinds of different roles is that life experience. Yes, it didn't make sense for you to leave a Broadway show in one of the greatest cities in the world, right? But right. you went to Germany and you followed your art, you followed your interest, and because you were able to travel and see, in essence, the world, let's say, you know, Europe, if anything else, it, it yeah. contributed to your life experience. And when 
uh, my students will come to me and say, well, I don't, you know, I'm 19 years old and I've never killed anyone before, but I have to play a mo- murder. And I'm like, A, hopefully yeah. you'll never have to kill anyone, whether it's self-defense <laughs> yeah, exactly. or not. <laughs> right? But yeah. like, I say, look, you know, you're 19 years old and yes, you've never experienced being in a situation where you have to murder or be murdered or any of those things. But let's look at the thought behind the thought. Let's look at the emotions behind the experience and say, have you ever experienced rage? Have you experienced shame? Have you experienced regret? And it's being able to draw on those life experiences like the ones that you talked about that help broaden literally your horizon, but also help you to slip into other people's experiences. Yeah. Which is the essence of what, you know, what you're trying to do. You're Mm -hmm. sort of, drawing from the well of your own experiences and like you say you may not have had the same circumstances as your character but you can relate to in a broader stroke Mm -hmm. that idea of shame or that you know fear of harm or protection of somebody else or whatever and then then it's the ability to imagine and to like you say to put yourself in you know, in the point of view of of somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that is something that comes from being in contact with all kinds of different people and all kinds of different life experiences. The more unlike the circumstances that you grew up in, the better. Yeah. And, um, and that, that was actually a significant part of the reason why I, when I was graduating from high school and looking to schools to apply to, I applied to some conservatory programs like NYU and mm-hmm. and uh, Carnegie Mellon and places like that. But I also applied to a bunch of liberal arts places as well. And in the end, I chose a liberal arts school because I thought, you know, I don't want to spend four years only with people who are doing the same thing that mm-hmm. I'm not even sure yet I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And I figured if I'm going to spend my life playing all kinds of different people, maybe I should go to school with all kinds of different people (laughs) who, you know, and have a roommate who's a biology major and a classical civilizations major. And um, for me, that was the, the ideal thing. And that, which is not to say that you can't be an interesting, complex, varied actor coming out of a training program. But I think you do have to work a little harder if that's your, you know, academic world to, to broaden yourself beyond that in ways that, and to interact with other kinds of people and other walks of life, um, that somebody who's going to, uh, you know, a non arts focused school is just by necessity going to be experiencing. Yeah. I like to think of it sort of like the difference between New York and LA. It's like, you know, when, when somebody asks you in LA, uh, what do you do? You know, the subtext for that is basically what can I gain by knowing you? Because everybody in LA, obviously that's a, it's a blanket statement, but everybody in LA is mostly there for the entertainment industry. But the reason why I love New York, one of the many reasons why I love New York is because when somebody says, Hey, what do you do? The subtext for that is how can I relate to you? How can we form some sort of bond? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and you're right. And, and of course, I, I, 
uh, applied to Carnegie Mellon and got accepted, but I ended up going to University of the Arts in Philadelphia because hmm. I, I wanted to have uh, a. I got accepted as an opera major at Carnegie Mellon, which is crazy to think. Oh, interesting. But like, I went for a vocal performance major in uh, University of the Arts because I wanted to be uh, around dancers. I wanted to be around actors and musicians and jet. And I I expanded my career so much in my viewpoint so much by doing that. And I think that I'm a, a better entertainer for it. Well, that's that's an interesting point too because it always baffles me how training pro arts training programs still are separated into even smaller you know fiefdoms yeah. once you get there and yeah. the music department never interacts with the theater department or then the most baffling thing to me is when universities have a theater program and a musical theater program as though those are two entirely different disciplines <laughs> and and those and those students often like don't interact almost sure. at all sure which is uh, you know just ridiculous it's but a waste not uncommon yeah yeah it's, sure. it's a total missed opportunity now moving to opportunities in the audition room you and i were texting and you said to me in one of our text exchanges that you feel like you get cast in roles in spite of what you do in the audition room what did you mean by that i i <laughs> i stand by i stand behind that statement okay um i just feel like i have friends who will say you know i just look at us at an op as a at an audition as an opportunity to act that day. And I'm like, that is so awesome that you can do that. Yeah. I'm incapable of looking at it like that. <laughs> How do you see it? Um, I see it as, as agony and as a, you know, <laughs> still. A, a, necess a necessary torture still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the most wonderful, like, uh, watershed moment in my career, I think was when, for for stage things and especially musical theater things um i reached a point at a certain point where i sort of transitioned into the just have meetings with directors or just get offered things yeah. instead of Love having that. to audition for everything and you know to be honest i would play a tree in you know sherwood forest if i don't have to audition for it right um but uh so you know so that's that's really nice although it comes with its own difficult things because you then can find yourself at the first day of rehearsal at the read-through um realizing nobody in this room has actually heard me read this character yeah. and they could suddenly decide "Ooh, we may have made a mistake just assuming that he would be the right guy for this i have seen people in your position show up to the first day of a table read and kind of be a little unprepared or yeah. not quite know what's going on and that's a huge danger there well and also because you you forget or you you know you don't realize that even though at least my experience when I go into an audition room is, you know, panic and abject terror. Sure. And, but there's know, something I to be said remember. for that process. Yeah. Well, and also you are having some interaction with yeah. the people who may become your eventual director and producers right, and right. musical director and stuff. So, you know, you, 
you are learning things about them in the process, even though you think it's all just a blind panic. So it is, uh, it is a different thing when you walk into a room without having had any of that experience other than either just an offer or a conversation over a coffee about something. It's not like I've left the auditioning world behind altogether. Like I still spend plenty of time, um, what I affectionately call groveling for. Yeah, well, that's for that's work. a life career long, lifelong thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. Your feelings of panic, of nervousness, of all those things it's, that all of us feel at some point in the process, right? Whether it's the audition or getting on stage or you know, opening night or whatever it is. So when you get yeah. nervous, when you feel that sense of panic, how? what's your process to, to work through it? In college, I went through a, a period of real severe stage fright, mm -hmm. panic attacks, and had to kind of, and, and it was connected to... Um, you know, to the stage and to the theater, mm. or it, it was manifest in in that. Um, so I had to really, you know, find solutions and try to understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. And and I got some really good advice from someone, I can't remember now who it was, but they said that when you have that kind of nervousness or anxiety, whether it's, you know, just the kind of butterflies thing or full-blown panic attack um the the root of the problem is a hyper self-awareness and this mm. feedback loop that you know you are aware that you're you're feeling nervous you're aware of feeling nervous you're aware that you're aware of feeling nervous right and it just like cycles and cycles and cycles and and a useful way out of that is to um to place your focus outside yourself on someone or something else, um, that it's you know it's the very uh, self awareness that is creating the problem, right. and so I try to find ways to do that. Whether it's um, you know recommitting myself or reinvesting myself in the circumstances of the, you know, the character or the, um, you know, not worrying about how I'm feeling about this or what I want out of this job or whatever, but really trying nuts and bolts to go back to, you know, what is the story I have to tell? What are the, you know, things that I need to yes. convey? Um, and And then it can also be things like, um, trying to, it seems a little counterintuitive because when it's happening, you, you're feeling like, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm being judged by these people and I'm so aware of, you know, what they're thinking of me. But, but I think what you're actually frightened of is your, uh, your fear of their judgment as opposed to actually their judgment. Right. And um, and this was where somebody's advice. Uh, I I had one experience when I got out of college and was first in New York. Um, I was a reader for auditions. For I did I was a reader for a few different things, but mm -hmm. I was part of these two days of auditions for a summer stock company in West Virginia. Um, 
And so I got the opportunity to watch literally hundreds of people come in. Um, and, and I learned so much. I mean, I think it's, I think every training program or every actor should look for opportunities to do that, especially early on in their career, because mm -hmm. you learn, you learn a number of really important things. One, you learn, they're actually far more, um, capable actors than you might suspect. Like there weren't that many people that were terrible. Mm. There were plenty of people that were fine and some, you know, would be good for this and some would be good for something else. Um, but there were also very few people who were really remarkable. And what often was the thing that made them stand out was not necessarily their skill set, although, you know, that somebody came in with an amazing voice, you certainly noticed, but it was more the people that just walked in and were prepared and confident, but not overconfident and not trying to sell you mm -hmm. too hard and not, you know, too frightened that they, they just seemed like, I, I can imagine being in a room with this person for the next, however many months I'm going to have to be <laughs> working on this. Right. That made you immediately much more open to see their abilities. Yeah. And someone said to me, you know, if you're going to a doctor, you have to remember that the people on the other side of the table are the ones with the problem. Right. They have a show and a lot of money that's dependent on them filling these roles that they don't have people for yet. And they have to do it soon because there are deadlines that are coming up for them. And you are potentially the solution to one of their problems, you know, to one of their roles. And just like if you go to the doctor and the, you know, if you go to a doctor who, before you've even sort of explained what is wrong with you, who says, you don't even need to tell me I'm a great doctor. I can, I can fix your problem. You know, It'll be fine. I don't need to know what your temperature is or anything else. Yeah. Get, get just, the hell out of that office, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you would be, you'd be really nervous. Just like you'd be nervous if you went to a doctor who says, oh, wow, yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, so I'm not <laughs> sure that I'm going to have the best, uh, you know, I, I may get some of the information wrong. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, you know, you would also be nervous with that guy. Sure. But if you if you go to a doctor and, you know, he listens to what you need and says, okay, here's what I think might be helpful, you know, try this. If it doesn't work, uh, you know, no skin off my nose, but, uh, you know, this is or they think they want one yeah. thing and then they it's an informed, something else It's an in informed and opinion and it, and it becomes realize, a dialogue. Oh, wow, and I think that that's what a lot of people, especially we didn't even know when walked in the room. Uh, um, actors are starting I remember, out. And I know for I me to as well, it was the same way. Is that year we, we walk David into the room thinking, school. okay, and I want to give these people what they want as if we know what they want, first of all. to visit sometime later and everybody's like, so what's it like out in the world? You know, what's it like auditioning for things? And he said, you know, I think the thing I learned the most important thing I've learned so far is that is to just figure out what I would do if I already had this part and to approach it that way. Because I feel like if I, if I am trying to guess what they want and I try right. to do that, yeah. a, I might be totally wrong about that in the first place. Um, if it's, if I think that they want, you know, a cliched version of, 
of this character, which you may well yes. glean from the either from the script itself or from the way they talk to you in the in the room or you know the character breakdown or whatever you sometimes get a pretty clear idea oh they want you know the typical blah 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 um but if you go in sort of not really wanting to do that but feeling like you need to do that because that's mm -hmm. probably what they want he said if i get hired to do that i'm gonna be miserable because, you know, I will have succeeded in uh, right. in presenting myself in a certain way that I'm probably not going to be happy living up to. And if I try to, you know, do what they want to get the job and then after the fact sort of try to move the character into a different direction, that's probably not going to go well because right. they hired right. me because of what I did in the first place. Whereas if I go in and, you know, I've made... I've kind of pretend that I've got the job already and this is the way I, I sort of see the character. Um, then if they hire me to do that, then we're probably already thinking along the same lines in the first place. And if they right. don't, if they're looking for something else, then maybe this just wasn't my job. You know, maybe, maybe they'll, I'll just keep doing things until I find the, the right, pairing of people and uh and that doesn't mean that you don't make changes and take direction and, and make adjustments once you're in the room because that's probably the most important thing of the whole the whole thing um right. which is why self-taping is such a frustrating thing because you don't have that opportunity necessarily but again i guess even more so than you have to do do what you think you would want to do. I mean, take some time, really, you know, if you get the whole script, read the whole script. If you just get the sides, spend time with them so that not just to be learning the words, but really like how much information can I glean from this? And given that, like what's, what is the performance that I would feel good about giving and not worry so much about whether it's the right thing or not because like we said you can't know um but if you put yourself out in a certain way that's truthful to you as a person and as a as an artist then then you just you you kind of attract the right people to you the right people will find you and they'll connect with you in the right way and vice versa and um you know and then you just have to know that not every job is your job you know if you are someone who auditions, you're someone who goes into the room or goes on stage and performs, then you need to get the book Audition Secrets Volume 1. It is the behind-the-scenes guidebook for nailing more auditions and booking more jobs. And the best part about all of it is it's absolutely free to you if you go to auditionsecrets.com and hit the tab that says free book. It's a digital download. You can have instant access to it today. So. After this interview, go to auditionsecrets.com and get your copy. You've told us so much wonderful stuff, and I want to kind of go back all the way, take take you all the way back to the beginning and ask you, what is the one thing that you wish you knew, that you know now, but that you wish you knew when you started out? 
that nobody else has the key either. Yes. You know, I, I spent a long time believing that my teacher, that there, there was a key to acting and to, mm. you know, unlocking, uh, you know, a, a good performance and a career in the theater and, and a deep understanding of the character and, and accessibility to, um, you know, to emotional depth and all this. And I mm. thought my teachers had it because that's why they were my teachers because they knew the right. answers and, um, and I suspected that I would never actually know the answer. I just worked really hard to learn everything and understand everything, but down deep, I kind of suspected that I was never going to actually get the key. And hmm. then at a certain point, I ran into a guy who had been um, a TA who, you know, who I still had looked up to as, oh, well, he's, you know, he came from college and he's, you know, older Teacher's than me. Assistant. He's yeah, probably, he was probably like, you know, four years older, but he seemed like an entirely different of person. Course. And, and, you know, so I assumed he had the key, whatever it is. And, and I ran into him sometime later and it, and I realized that I was now the age that he had been when he was teaching us. And I had had more professional experience than he had had at that time when he was teaching us. And I knew that I still, you know, struggled to feel like I knew anything. I still felt like I was yeah. learning everything. But I realized, but I know more, you know, I've had more real world experience than he did when he was teaching us. I know that I don't know anything now. So he couldn't have known more <laughs> than. Yeah. And I suddenly realized. Yeah oh, maybe just nobody really knows and everybody's, you know, trying to learn yeah. all the time and there is no key. And you're at a certain point, you know, there's always more to learn, but at a certain point you have to start believing that your perceptions and your instincts and your point of view is at least as valid as anybody else's. And that's, yes. I think, when you start to really come into your own as a as a person and as a as an actor absolutely i mean i think that's such a great point of view and and really truly uh, it's just like fingerprints everyone's are different yeah. i don't believe that there is a key either i love performing i also love teaching and i feel that my job as a teacher is to show my students the keys that they have inside themselves mm. and then to guide them or point them in the direction of their own personal door where they take those keys and they try them out and and maybe they're going to whittle here and whittle there bah, 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 yeah. and they put it into the lock and they open their own the door to their own whatever version of success yeah that that's is. an interesting way to think about it yeah that being said, what do you think the, uh, I, maybe you kind of answered this question already, you know, the biggest lesson that you've learned over your career. Yes, no one has the key to acting uh, for sure when you started out, but is there something that now here in, in 2019, you're like, wow, that's probably the biggest lesson I have ever learned. I think the thing I've been feeling more, I think is, you know, as I go on in my career is. I appreciate more now than I did at the time uh, the 
the cost of some of the sacrifices that we make to have our careers. And I don't regret, you know, making the sacrifices that I made uh, through the years. And, and I'm talking more about, you know, just in terms of, you know, a personal life or a stable home or being able to be there for your family's birthdays, you know, or being reliably ever able to say that you're, you'll be any place, you know, any time sure. um, that, you know, that those are really um, substantial sacrifices and that, uh, you know, I, I can't really look at a lot of things that I would say, I wish I hadn't done that instead of, uh, you know, spending more time, in a relationship or with, you know, with family, you know, I feel like the things that I sacrificed for were valuable to me at the time, but I, mm -hmm. I find the balance skewing a little differently now. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm starting to have a new respect and appreciation for the people who managed and worked harder to, maintain a life and maintain uh uh a connection to things outside the business um mm -hmm. and to not letting work define their feeling of self-worth or the you know their complete sure, interest a big one um i feel like uh i i respect and and uh and envy a little bit to people who were much better at doing that along the way than, than I've been. Um, and I sure. think it's something that, you know, you're not encouraged to think that way when you're younger and, and either by your peer group or, you know, by people ahead of you, because you're made to feel like this is your one shot and you only get this. Right. And if you don't have your eye on the prize all the time, you know, you can't call yourself an actor and it's just bullshit. It's not true. And, mm -hmm. and, and like we said at the beginning, the richer your life is, the more interesting you will be. And therefore the more interesting an actor you will be just by default. So I think, uh, remembering to check in with your whole life, and not just your perceived career path is important. That's fantastic. And my next question was going to be, what's the one piece of advice you'd give younger folks and people struggling on the path to success? And I think that's it. I think it's making sure that you, like you said, you check in with your whole life because as we are reading scripts, as we are trying to find agents, as we are going and struggling through the barbaric process of auditioning, as we're going through all of that, and then having our peers, our family being like, how are you doing? How's it going? And feeling like we need to prove something to them yeah. as well. Yeah. All of that can be it, it, its own world and its own sort of like bubble that you exist in. And then don't be in school while you're doing it because then it's all just, it's, it's that uh, 24 seven. And so making sure that you are checking in with the rest of your life, making sure that you one day just don't, just, just don't do anything arts related, or at the very least, go take yourself on an artistic date, you know, kind of like uh, in, in, um, 
in the uh, oh what's that thing there's a uh, uh, the artist's way you know yeah. like sort of just you know yeah, i mean you, like well, being you have able to feed to yourself expand. you have to feed yes. yourself and you know right and doing the work is not necessarily feeding yourself all the time no and and like head on is not the only way to right. approach anything you know right. i mean my it's so interesting my career in hindsight i can map from one thing to another how it all kind of led from one thing to another and you know and leading up to where i am right this minute and it it has its own logic and makes sense but on the other side of it you know looking at it out in front of me it makes no sense like i made so many of the you know like going to germany after my broadway debut i made so many incorrect uh, career choices um, and and followed just what I thought was interesting or what terrified me. Those were the things that determined sort of where I turned my attentions and energies. Um, and that's a part of expansion. Yeah. It's that, it's that, it's being able to push through that terror, being able to push outside of, you know, your comfort zone is kind of like the general sort of notion of it. And you'd be surprised. I tell people, my students all the time, I'm like, there is so much success waiting for you on the other side of the willingness to completely fail or to fall flat on your face. Oh God. And the number of the number of times I was so fortunate not to get the job that I thought I really had yes. to get, you know, I've yeah. been, I've had as much luck not getting the wrong jobs as I have ever had <laughs> getting the right jobs. For sure. You know, you've been in so many outstanding shows. What has been your favorite role and why? That's such a hard thing to answer. And of course it changes all the time. You know, part of, part of you always kind of, goes back to the most recent thing because that's the thing that you're sort of like you know is still the freshest but i think and i have had so many things that i felt dearly invested and deeply connected to but i think as a whole experience um fun home would have to be the pinnacle thus far and yes. i mean i hope that i will do things that I will care about, you know, deeply like I did that. But I don't know whether there will be something that on every level was the ideal expression of that thing. You know, the the piece itself, which is extraordinary, the getting yes. to be a part of inventing and creating what that would be was, mm -hmm. you know, extraordinary instead of just walking into a, a ready-made thing. Um, the people that I got to do it with, mm. every single one of them, from the creative team to the you know the crew to the cast, just extraordinary, unlikely, you know, mm -hmm. ideal people. Um, and then what it meant to the audiences that came to see us beyond yes. just its value, its artistic merit, but you know, what it meant in a real world, literal life-changing way for people. And sure. and its arrival at a what sadly at the moment looks like the end of, uh, you know, a, an optimism and a hope and a, 
mm-hmm. and an expanding uh, inclusiveness and and idealism. Yeah. You know, it's it's so weird that it the flowering of everything that was happening when we were doing the show from yeah. marriage equality being passed to you know to yeah. everything else. And it seemed at that moment like, well, we have finally figured some shit out, you know, and as a society, I think we've, we've finally crossed some hurdle. And of course, (laughs) probably not surprisingly, (laughs) you know, the pendulum has been wrenched back the other way. And yeah, for sure. But to be doing something that was talking about having compassion at that moment in our country was so much beyond a uh, you know a career highlight or a artistic highlight sure. even it's just a personal uh thing so i think yeah and i can see why it meant so much to you i was very fortunate to be able to see you and the rest of the original cast in that show in the circle in the square yeah. and it was gorgeous i mean it was absolutely beautiful i mean like you said you, someone coming to to see that and hearing the music and seeing the stories that everyone was going through yeah. uh, the 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 it just it really i'm sure it just people were changed and that's great theater when you walk out of the theater asking questions of yourself when you walk out of the theater changed then you know that it's great art that you've seen and certainly uh fun home was great art i you seeing it from the perspective that i have of of you know being a performer you know i loved it so much and i also was just i literally was doing everything i could to not bite my nails as you walked around the stage just deftly avoiding the traps <laughs> that were open and i know and i know that was a whole part of it i i, I talked to mike isaacson and i was like what the what the fuck was that about and he's like oh yeah we planned that and i was like oh my god because the whole time i'm thinking michael please don't fall into that trap michael my god please don't fall into that trap and so there were there were if you hadn't seen the show there were holes in the floors where things would come up and down and um, uh, there's a a, a very poignant song where michael's walking around them and you just think he's gonna fall into one of them and there's probably some sort of metaphorical yeah thing going on there right obviously with the character and you know it's so interesting that you say that fun home happened at the time that it happened because not that much after fun home i did in transit in circle in the square yes and it was this beautiful our opening night you were the first ones in after us right yeah, yeah yes yes and i think our our first preview was the day after the elections and here <laughs> wow. we have a piece which was just like oof and and so here we have this piece that it is not so centered around some of the same things that phone home is but certainly deals with some of the same things and you're just like oh it's like we need to be doing this for uh, today of all days we need to be doing this for us and you know the people who came to the audience and and to see it and so i'm so glad you said fun home because it is one of my most favorite musicals i've ever seen i've walked out of that show and i was just buzzing because everyone I mean, everyone was so authentic. It was so beautiful and so well done. And I couldn't agree more with you that it was a highlight for your career because it was a highlight for, for me as, a, as an audience member. That's really, really good to hear. And, you know, I think, I remember thinking at the time, because we did have so many young people coming to the show and sort of having their 
mindset on fire in terms of what's possible and what stories can be told. And, and I had conversations with kids and then just, you know, kind of could think about it afterwards. And I'm, I'm positive that there is at least one, and I'm betting a lot more than one, you know, next Janine Tesori or Tony Kushner or some, you know, some kid was there and some fire was lit watching Fun Home that will, we may never know, you know, I may never see the, the, you know, the Tonight Show interview where they talk about, you know, this is why they ever wanted to pursue this. But somehow there are going to be things, if there aren't already, that are going to move move us as you know as people and artists in a society towards a better future because of something that happened to them while they watched that show and that's you know that's really something that i have to cling to desperately these days oh my god yeah and that's great and you know i i think you have to have the experience you have to go through the desperation of being an actor you if you're lucky go through the success of being an actor but you know i think sometimes when i am uh, doing my you know eighth show that week mm-hmm. and i'm kind of like oh, okay this is uh, i'm grateful right. i know we're uh, well, I'm, I'm in the pinnacle of world theater right but i have to remind myself even now i have to remind myself look there is someone at the show yep. in the audience that was just like you when you walked into Phantom mm-hmm. that first time when you first heard the, the music who is going to have their minds like you said lit on fire and if I go out and I give anything less than my best I am doing a disservice not only to that person but to to the the version of me that yeah. walked into yeah. that theater that day and was lit and said yes this is what i want to do yeah that's why i try on matinee days even if i'm gonna stay inside and you know just order in and stay in my dressing room because i'm exhausted and stuff i still try to at least and it helps when i have my dog with me because she needs to go out between shows but just to be out for just a minute and just see and feel the excitement of the people going up to the front of your theater and be reminded that, yeah, it's the 500th time you've done it. This is the one and only time they're ever going to see it. And you don't know what they sacrificed to be here today. And, you know, just it very quickly, you find what you need to to do that again. Yeah, yeah. And again and again and again. And again, again. if you're lucky, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, if you're lucky. Well, thank you so very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, this has man. Been this is a great conversation. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you so very much. I hope you have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay, cool. All right, bye. The man is a fountain of knowledge and wisdom, and I'm so, so grateful that he stopped by our show this week. Okay, thank you very much for being here. I'm Justin Guarini. This is Audition Secrets. Next week, we have the wonderful Sierra Bogus on the show, and she is so awesome. She gave me life in this interview. It is so fun. It is so funny, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. In the meantime, make sure you go to auditionsecrets.com and pick up your free copy of Audition Secrets Volume 1. All right, that's all I got for you this week. You've been listening to Audition Secrets. I'm Justin Guarini. And remember, at the end of the day, you're only one audition away.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.